Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm good, I'm good. I am in the situation where I'm moving house, I'm moving out of Soho, so I'm currently covered in boxes and I just want it all to be done. Uh, so I hope everyone's having a lovely time on this Wednesday, the... Fifth of whatever month it is, <laughs> August. I, I'm, I'm sad you're leaving Soho. As I said, uh, I think last mm. week, I'm sad that we're no longer going to have tales of woe or excitement. Uh, of course, you living in central London has always had some interesting stories along the way. Now you're moving, not in cent. Now you're moving someone that isn't central London. We're going to miss out on all that action. Um, so, are you sad mm. to move? Exactly. How do you feel? Um, no, not really. But I think I think I've done six years now. I think it's probably time for me to ship out, so to speak, mm. um, and find find a new place to live. So yeah, I'm looking looking forward to uh, getting moving. Uh, I'm not looking forward to the moving itself. Moving out is just so stressful. It's horrible. I mean, isn't it? even if you've got limited limited space, limited um, possessions, like you would have in uh, in a Japanese home, mm. it's still just a little bit a bit beyond the pale for me. Absolutely. I hate moving house. I've done it, what, one, two, I think I've done it two or three times now uh, living here. And I've always tried to throw away everything before I move. Whereas because you've lived there for like <laughs> six years, right, you've probably built up a lot of stuff. Whereas yeah. I've always tried to yeah. stick everything in like one bag. But now that I've been in this apartment for quite a while, I have built up a lot of stuff and I'm not looking uh, forward to moving one day in the future when that happens, God forbid. It's never mm. a fun process. But uh, I've just got so many bags of wires. I'm, I'm just obsessed with keeping hold of every <laughs> possible USB wire that's ever existed. And of course, <laughs> now you also have the eight millimeter footage from Sapro because you finally got it back after all these months, right? Finally, yes. COVID delayed it. I had to harangue the, the good people of on eight mil um, to get my stuff back. Um, but um, yeah, finally got it back. Turns out, don't really know how to use my camera properly. There's probably some problems with it. There's a lot of light bleed. Um, yeah, just, 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 just. Uh, it, it was very underwhelming. But what are you going to do? It was a bit of fun, wasn't it? It was Seeing fun. Chris Broad in in glorious Technicolor. <laughs> I thought it was great. Uh, to give some context, Pete brought an eight millimeter. Was it a Canon camera, Pete? Canon. Uh, might have been an old school Canon. Certainly Super Eight. Uh, maybe. I don't know who would have made them back in the day. They were all very mechanical anyway. Maybe a Canon. 
Um, yeah, just a little Super 8, little handheld doohickey. It was very retro, Two and it had like Sapporo. three minutes hmm. of footage time. But Pete brought it along to Sapporo, and if you watch the uh, the Abroad in Japan video, you can see him wielding it, uh, this giant camera, getting some shots. It's got a really nice kind of noise, is not it? Because it's actually a film camera, so it's got a nice kind of clicking noise mm. as, the, as the film yeah, rolls through it. you're exposing film every time. Uh, your, your friend, uh, one of the uh, extended Marvel Abroad in Japan universe, uh, Chiaki, she was um, obsessed she was. with how antiquated and how old it was. She wouldn't leave you alone. There was scarcely a shot in the video where she's not hovering around following you, trying to see how this giant camera works. Uh, but, uh, of course, the footage was film, and Pete struggled to find somewhere to develop it. And because of the mm. virus, it took even longer. But finally, Pete's got it back, and I did share it on my Twitter, on the Broad Japan, and Pete's also got it on his Twitter as well. And it looks really kind of good. It looks a bit like a filter from Instagram, but taken to a whole new level. Yeah. It's, Kind of a very satisfying, nostalgic look um, that I remember from when I was a kid. Um, but it looks really quite good, actually. I'm t- quite tempted to film it, something, like buy one and film something on it, because it just looks really beautiful. I mean, the, the cameras themselves, I mean, it is just a, a mechanical kind of battery-powered um, film recorder that mm. just pulls, pulls film through. Um, I don't think a shutter even sort of com- comes into it. I think it just goes around. The cartridges... You just pop them in. They're really easy to load. Um, it's the processing that costs all the money because um, there, there aren't many developing places left. I mean, perhaps, you know, you hipsters out there might resurrect <laughs> it by doing a bit more um, motion motion filming uh, on old uh, Super It um, film and it, it might come back. But uh, in this case, it had to be um, sent all the way to uh, Germany to get processed. And then, and then once that um, film is created, it has to be put on a reel-to-reel um, projector Bloody and hell. then that footage has to be filmed digitally, has to be digitised uh, in, in another lab as well. So it has to be sent all around the world. So Miracle came back for my money. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to organise that. <laughs> it really is, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's mind-boggling. But it's a real art form that I, I think uh, has been lost a little bit. Now we use smartphones and whatnot and just digital cameras. Mm. I would love to learn a bit more about how it works. We definitely take it for granted these days, the fact we can pull out an iPhone and shoot 4K, 60fps, anything we want. Uh, and yet 20, 20 years ago, that would have been unthinkable, absolutely unthinkable. Um, but I just love mm. the, the look of the footage. It makes it look like we're in 1980s Japan. And that is something that I'm very excited about, <laughs> that concept. So, yeah, really cool. Yeah. Next time you're over, bring it again. Do it again, Pete. Bring some more. Well, look, we'll go off on the processing. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, I like the choice of music as well, some sort of techno soundtrack, which felt yeah, well, the, quite the problem odd with, with the footage. The problem with any, any Super 8 any super filming I've ever done before, it's always been like a really twee, you know, bright eyes song or something. Mm. <laughs> First day of my life or something. I thought I'm, I'm gonna I'm not gonna use that. I'm gonna use something a bit more vaporwave, a bit more retro, a bit more um kind of post futuristic, as Japan deserves every time. So yeah, it, it, to be honest, getting the footage back, I'm probably not gonna be able to get to Japan anytime soon. Um, it gave me a little flavour, a little reminder of what uh, you know, strolling around um, parts of uh, the, the the country that you showed me, you and uh, you and Ryotaro in your little car. <laughs> in my little car that I rented. In your little car. I think the rented. best footage you got, which is also on Twitter, is the um, the shots of the fishing boat and all these like bemused mm. fishermen gathered around you at like five a.m. wondering what the hell this like random guy from the UK is doing with this massive nineteen eighties camera. Uh, they all look really confused by it. I didn't even see you filming that day because I was too busy filming 
uh, the documentary about the tsunami. So I didn't uh, see you, you wielding it. You were too busy not vomiting. You are too busy not vomiting, old That's sea true. legs uh, broad over there. Sea legs broad. <laughs> sea legs broad. What a great nickname. But uh, eight millimetre footage aside, I've had a, a fun week. Finally released the Driving in Japan video, a billion dollars and two weeks in the mm. making. It's out. It's finally out, ladies and gentlemen. Go and watch it, please. I put so much time toil and sweat into this damn video but i'm quite proud of it it is one of the best videos i think uh we've had on the channel for years and a celebration of finally having my very own tiny car my own small car uh to quote pete Um, chichai chichai is uh, he called it he said uh, very very small (laughs) that's (laughs) right when i at the end of the video spoilers i drive up to a beach where natsuki's sitting waiting with his cigarette in hand naturally and uh, I was showing off my car to Natsuki and trying to get him to praise it and make me feel good about myself. And the only thing he said was, oh, this is small. It's rubbish. It's not a Tesla, is it? And that was it. <laughs> Drove five hours just to be insulted so by Natsuki. Bastard. Real bastard. <laughs> but uh, Fantastic. Yeah. It, it was, was very, good. very enjoyable indeed. I, But in producing this video, it's about a 20-minute video, and... Um, I've had an unhealthy addiction recently to energy drinks. You know the energy drinks you get in the front of a convenience store when you go in, you've got the little fridge, all mm. the bottles, right? I discovered a brand called uh, Ripobitan D, and it's in the video, actually. Um, I, I drank it while I was I was filming. And um, just while I've been editing, I, it's, editing isn't easy. It takes a lot of time and patience and attention, and you really, you know, you really, it just requires you staring at a screen, basically, for hour upon hour. And I started just buying all these drinks, these Nipporbitandi. I can't even pronounce it. It's such a complicated drink, Nipporbitandi. It sounds like vitamin D, right? But it's not, Nipporbitandi. Yeah. And I've just been shotting them. And it is just like each of these bottles is like two cans of Red Bull. So I've got this like unhealthy yeah. drug-like addiction over the last few weeks, editing this damn video. I'm trying to wean myself off them now. Um, but So I've been crashing yes, recently with the absence of caffeine. I mean, it's, it's good that you've... It's good that you're, uh, you, you, you've seen yourself off uh, your, late, your late night coffees and replaced it with <laughs> something even more damaging. It's Can I interest you in some cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> that is the next level. It really is. Yeah, um, it has to be. It's a dangerous addiction to have. Very dangerous addiction mm. indeed. But uh, no, the video, I'm, I'm really glad it's done though. I, I'm kind of, I mean, I've been doing this for almost eight years now and it's actually coming up to the eight year anniversary of A Brawl in Japan, which was kicked off, I think, in the middle of August, I'm going to say August 12th, but probably was August 15th. Mm. Um, so I'm feeling kind of nostalgic. And the third video I ever made was about driving in Japan as well. So it's kind of a tribute to that. So not only just because I got a new car, but also it was a callback to that uh, video. But it was an absolute nightmare to produce, right? Like I think, I mean, right. you've seen the kind of hell I go through producing these videos firsthand, both in Sapporo yeah. and while I was trying not to be sick on a fishing boat, right? Um I, I did go through a lot of hell, but that I don't actually show uh, when doing these videos. But um, one scene, there's a scene in the video where I have like a missile, the car fires a missile randomly and blows some stuff up, particularly a horse. Uh, <laughs> a bit of a weird random scene. But that scene, I had to try and frame it so you could see inside the entire car. And to do that, I was mm. in a forest in the car and I opened the passenger side door and I had to put the camera outside the passenger door, like by the where the chair was right uh, to fit the entire interior into the shot and while i was doing that because i was in a forest in a very hot day loads of horrible terrifying flies and mosquitoes were coming in the car and just smashing into my face and like biting me eating me away 
It was absolute hell. Um, there's probably loads of <laughs> outtakes and deleted footage of me just going, fuck, shit, ow, of all these horrible flies just smashing into my face. But that's the kind of horror that I endure while filming these videos, getting eaten by flies. Well, as long as you were doing it safely. I've, I've, a couple of times I've done some filming where they've done that thing where they have like a car in front with a um, with like a big dollied kind of uh, oh, camera yeah. that follows you. Um, and I always sort of think, this is just too much for what I'm doing. <laughs> You know, because because people hire those things for like Hollywood films, and I just I'm just like I'm just thinking I'm just thinking this is too much. This is too this is too fancy for me. I'm not bringing you anything that that, that is that warrants this level of uh, investment <laughs> in a in a camera that's connected to a big old crane off the back of a truck. What what was that? What <laughs> not what right. was what was that? I haven't seen anything with you in that required um, such a setup. Donald's it was the a promotional video for uh, the car known as Ka. Um, it, here in the UK, um, it was. I was talking about football. Uh, the driver, I can't drive. I uh, was talking about rugby, and, and I was trying to get him interested in rugby, and mm. he was trying to get me interested in uh, football. Uh, all the other way around, rather. And uh, yeah, so and they had this big old swooping, you know, the sort of thing you'd see when they're filming Terminator Two or something. It was all very exciting, but uh, <laughs> a little bit too much for my my liking. I thought. Can imagine. <laughs> Just put a GoPro in there. Job done. I mean, that's what I did. I, I actually just stuck a GoPro. There's a really nice shot, a few cu- nice shots of the car. I just literally just got the GoPro and mounted it to the uh, to the bonnet of the car and hoped and prayed <laughs> that the damn thing didn't fall off. And thankfully, it didn't. Um, in my original Driving in Japan video, I had a spare HTC smartphone lying around and I got some like really strong uh, uh-huh. masking tape and just stuck it to the <laughs> to like the number plate of the car, which in hindsight, <laughs> probably illegal, hiding the number plate with a HTC well, camera. look. <laughs> they can look at the uh, they can look at the back uh, the back of the car, can't they? Yeah, this is the th- thing. You just make you know. Um, why don't you put it on the um, on the tread of the wheels? See how many uh, rotations <laughs> it can take before it breaks. <laughs> why not? Be horrible. I uh, like see. I did have a difficult decision though, whether or not to feature a scene in the driving video talking about the time I got pulled over by the police for speeding. Uh, of course, which mm. you were present for. I decided in the end, caused, I didn't want to. I didn't, it was your fault, yeah. I didn't want to bring up this offence that I caused in the video. To be fair, <laughs> Japanese speed limits are phenomenally slow. Um, I think... Everybody th- speeds. Everybody speeds, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, the road we were driving down in Yamagata, the day I got pulled over, where you were in the car, nearly every car in front of us was getting waved over uh, and done for a speeding. Yeah. And I think I was buggered for doing seven kilometres over the speed limit, I'm going to say, which isn't that much, really. Um <laughs> I, but See, like, there isn't, Chris. I, Come on. <laughs> I mean, I but I couldn't talk about that in the video. I didn't really want to be like, oh, speed limits are slow. I got done for speeding, blah, blah, blah. I like, you know, it's it's illegal. I caused, <laughs> you know, I got fined for it. That's the way it is. I have to accept mm. that. But I decided probably not something I want to broadcast to hundreds of thousands of people just on the podcast. <laughs> but we have more loyal loyal listeners who understand my flaws in a way that you just don't get on YouTube uh, where people tear you apart in every comment. Um, I also crashed a brand new drone. I got a Mavic 2 Pro, this beautiful cinematic drone, which I used to get these lovely shots and I crashed it and uh, broke it. And uh, yeah, was this was this the, um, was this the one that you um, bought because the one of the, because your last one was broken. You bought it just before (laughs) you filmed the fisherman. 
All right, don't rub it in. I, <laughs> yeah, what you're right. You're constantly <laughs> just abusing drones. I do crash a lot of drones. <laughs> uh, to be fair, yeah, I mean, when we went and did the tsunami documentary at my Mavic Air, which I'd crashed into a cliff previously, the, it just wasn't didn't take off. We took it on the boat. Uh, mm. All the fishermen gathered round when they weren't impressed by your 8mm camera from the 80s. They were impressed by my drone. We went to take it off, and the drone... Uh, it, it kind of veered off to the left and nearly smashed into Riotero's face. So it had to cancel the, mm. the drone flight over the fishing boat. And then I, luckily I'd bought a, a Mavic Mini for like two $200 and uh, we used that to film the rest of the shots. But I... I threw it in the river. I threw it, <laughs> I threw and it then, in the sea. And then I got a brand new drone and uh, yeah, it might have gone in the river. Um, so oh, that was, that was sad. Never the sp- mind, mate. The splashing look, look, noise. They'll so keep bad. making them. They'll keep making them. You'll keep buying them. <laughs> and I did, yeah. I had to use a smaller drone. But nevertheless, I did get some really nice drone shots in the uh, in the documentary, in the driving videos. Go and check them out. The cinematography, some of the best I've been able to pull off in a video. I was inspired by Ghost of Tsushima, mm. um, the recent video game that we talked about, uh, all the kind of shots of them riding on horses through these beautiful windswept fields. And I was able to get some really nice shots uh, of the rice fields of Yamagata blowing in the wind as the car drove through them. So uh, hopefully you can see that beautiful. influence there. Yeah. So there'll might a, crash uh, the there'll drone. Be a, uh, there'll be a digital foundry um, Eurogamer breakdown of, uh, of the frame rate of the video very, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I watch lately is a company called Digital Foundry um, analysing brand new video games to see how many pixels they're pushing, how hard the graphics cards are working, how um, how the, the shadows differ between different versions of the game. It's it's it, And I don't get to play these video games because all I do is spend, instead of playing these video games, I spend my time just watching videos about the technology behind the video game. I, it's, I, I just... I don't know. I'm just ruining my own life. I've just been stupid. <laughs> <laughs> ruining your own life with pixel peeping. It's a slippery slope, yeah. though, with video games, with it producing is. videos, anything. Like, I've been looking at buying a new camera recently. As I mentioned, I was looking at getting a mm. Canon EOS R5, the Sony A7S III, to up my game with the Abroad in Japan videos. But in the same way, you know, with video games or videos on YouTube, the main thing is having a good story, right? I, I've thought about this long and hard, and I realise that it doesn't matter you know, even if I get an 8K camera, at the end of the day, if I make content that's not funny or educational, entertaining or useful or interesting, it doesn't matter how good the pixels are, how good the image is, it doesn't matter at all. Um, and I suspect that's the same with a lot of video games. Slower. Well, I mean, that's the thing yeah. with video games, right? Ghost of Tsushima, it's a beautiful game. And uh, even if there are more pixels, it doesn't matter at the, at the end of the day. Um, it's more the story that... Uh, is the most important thing. And it's actually, that's the reason I've decided not to buy that game because apparently the story is a little bit repetitive. I think you told me that actually. Mm. Was that you? I think I might have told you that. Yeah. That you. But, you but then, then there's a backlash on that. I, again, I, again, I, I've not played it. I've just get, I just read about people playing it and then, then there'll be a backlash about those people complaining about it. And then, Oh, it's all and, going off. <laughs> and the cycle of backlashes continues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, I, as for new cameras, we'll see. But no, I'm really proud of some of the footage we got in the driving video. And I'm really happy, you know, just when you spend two, three weeks on a video and it's up. I, I mean, it only went up yesterday uh, at time of recording. So I'm in this kind of euphoric phase and, and also a bit of shock. Yeah. When he when he worked on a video or a project or any piece of artwork over an extended period of time uh, and, you, you know, you're so focused on it and nothing else gets in the way. When it's finally done and uploaded and people are watching it, it's just like, yes, finally, 
and you can't really believe it yourself. And that's what I've been doing. Also, it might be the lack of <laughs> uh, highly caffeinated drinks. Now that I've I've tried to yeah. wean myself off them, that might also have something to do with this days like state <laughs> I find myself in. Um, mm. There you go. But check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. Check it out. Born Japan, the channel. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stresses. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Jack Mates Happy Hour is back for a brand new season. It's the podcast where we talk to some of the most exciting people in the world, from Ricky Gervais. In some ways, fame makes you a better person. You know, it's like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's watching me. But I, I know someone with Everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> to undercover police officers. Can you see the fading scar there, gentlemen? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's where I was stabbed in the neck by a drug dealer once. Or... We just talk about whatever's making us laugh right now. When you think back to school kid banter, like, it's well funny because of how immature it is. We had this teacher called Mr. McGibbon, and he had this big cushion that he was teaching us how to rugby tackle on. He just ran up to it, rugby tackled it, but landed on top of it, and one of the kids shouted, it's not your wife, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) Listen to Jack Mate's Happy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Jackmate's Happy Hour is a Stakhanov production. Without further ado, Mm. we turn our attention to the fax machine. What have we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Donaldson? The first fax comes from Franz from the Netherlands. Hey, guys, sinister title, I know. But the problem I have really does involve some serious thought. Um, The title was omitted, but uh, I'm sure it's very sinister. The title was, Should I Dump Her? 
dot 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 oh oh dear <laughs> i managed to uh <laughs> i managed to uh talk my girlfriend into going to japan for uh, a holiday except she's grown to love japan as much as i do and now she wants to go there on a special occasion that occasion being our honeymoon i haven't proposed i'm not even sure if i want to get married in general how can i convince her to join me to uh, on, on the way to japan without having to hurt one of my knees <laughs> it's a tricky one that's uh, it's a bit of a tricky one, uh, Franz. Um, I mean, I don't think you should rush things. I don't think you should be forced into anything. I, I mean, should, don't think you should be doing that. That is he pretty sinister. But, I mean, what is the problem mm. that he just can't go to Japan with his girlfriend for fun? Like, there's an expectation that if yeah. he's like, let's go to Japan, she'll be like, it has oh, to be honeymoon. marriage. So, I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a holiday with an extra 10 grand price tag, isn't it? If not more, I don't know how much holiday, uh, weddings cost. I presume it's about ten grand. Yeah, I've, I have no idea either. Very expensive. I remember very expensive. When I used to work at um, Castle for weddings, um, they, you know, the package I think mm. was twenty three thousand pounds for a wedding. Jesus, H flips. What could you do with twenty three grand? There's so many better things you could do with it. People argue that oh, it's the best day. Twenty three drones. <laughs> yeah, all which would be crashed very. Very quickly, knowing me. <laughs> but, like, you know, people say it's the best day of your life, having friends and family around. I think the best day of my life would be sitting on a beach, just having a drink with Natsuki. Mm. With all of your um, jelly. With all of my jelly. <laughs> with all of my jelly. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, I just, I mean, I don't really think that's a question we can answer, Franz. That's something you've, you've got to decide for yourself. What no. was even the question? How can Look I inside vin- your heart. It's in your heart. How can I convince her to join me to... Come to Japan without having to hurt one of my knees. Just be up front. Just say, let's go to Japan and it not be our honeymoon. And then maybe one day we'll get yeah. married and dangle the carrot of <laughs> the carrot of marriage before her. I don't know. What if, come it's, Japan. what if it's shit? What if you have a shit holiday <laughs> then, you know, then you've ruined Japan, haven't you? You know, can't go again. You can always go again for your honeymoon and do it properly. <laughs> but there you go. Let us know, Franz. Um, let us know what you decide and what happens. At least... With the whole virus mm. situation, you won't be coming over for a while anyway. Gives you some time to make the big decision. <laughs> but uh, thanks for dropping yeah. us this philosophical debate. We've got one from Luciano. It says, hey, Chris and Pete. Luciano from Argentina here. I was watching Chris's uh, video, What Driving in Japan is Really Like, and at one point he turns on the radio. What comes next can only be described as the sound of hell, especially for everyone in Argentina, <laughs> where that song was used in an advert for a sushi delivery all throughout the quarantine. Um I would like to. I'd like to apologise for the blight we've caused in the world and in Chris's ears. Um, the song he's referencing is a song that is just called "Arigato Gozaimasu," and it's just like three or four people shouting Some... "Arigato, Arigato Gozaimasu, Arigato, Arigato," and it just gets stuck <laughs> in your head. Did you hear it? Did you hear right. it in the video? It's horrific. Yeah, it, I presume it's like library music because obviously you can't play proper music on your in any of your. Uh... In any of your endeavours, yes, it was it was admittedly staged, but kind of not. I mean, I mm. was looking for. Um, I'm always on the hunt for good royalty free music, right? And you just, I remember going on a website. Mm. I think it was premiumbeat.com and typing in Japanese music or something, and that came up. And I was like, oh, that, that must be good. It's called Arigato Gozaimasu. It must be, must have some <laughs> sort of nice Japanese kind of vibe to it. And it's just people shouting Arigato yeah. Gozaimasu, and there's no, it's just it's just <laughs> awful. Um, but well, so, t- so, the, so the sushi company must have just, you know, done the exact same thing, just typed in Japanese music and went, 
Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> exactly. That is the level. Yeah. That is the laziness of the Argentinian sushi company. And I feel sorry for the people of Argentina who had to endure the song uh, for an extended period of time. But Luciano continues, In another note, while studying Japanese a few years ago, my teacher told us about the time she lived in Japan when she was little. One of the things that she seemed to remember was how much fuss is caused by apparently small things that go out of the norm, such as taking a shower in the morning instead of at night. Here goes my question for you. Have you ever been confronted about breaching an untold social rule? Thank you for everything and keep up the excellent work, Luciano. It's an interesting one. Um, I mean, there's, mm. there's, there's lots of norms like that. One of the ones that annoys me the most is when you go for a drink with friends in Japan, either with friends or in a work context, the first drink traditionally is always namabiru, right? Beer out of tap. Um, have you encountered that, Pete? Right. One of your many outings? No, no, I haven't. No, 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 no. It's it's like it's the thing you order just because it's simple, right? The idea is everyone yes. can get it quickly. The the waiters and the staff can right. pour like loads of uh, nama beer beer on tap really quickly. But I don't really like nama beer. I don't really like beer out the tap. I either like a bottle of Sapporo or just a Moscow Mule. Uh, I drink exclusively Moscow Mule, <laughs> vodka and ginger ale. And um, so whenever I go out with someone he's Japanese, they're like shocked by this concept. They're like, oh, Kristen, Namabiru? And I'm like, no, no, not Namabiru. I want a Moscow Mule. And they're like, what? And Natsuki always makes fun of me for it. Um, but it's kind of, <laughs> they make fun of me They in, in jest, but there is, you know, they're actually being serious. And there's a undertone yeah. of seriousness to it. They're like, why is he rocking the boat? Why is he being annoying? Just order the fucking Namabiru and then you can have the <laughs> Moscow Mule afterwards. But that's not how I yeah. roll. I want my Moscow Mule now. No. So I agree. I, I, yeah, I guess that's. I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but then I like beer. I, I do think it is a bit annoying when everybody else is getting something and say, like, "Let's just get this done quickly." Um, and you want a Moscow Muru uh, made up? <laughs> honestly, I, I did see. I was in uh, Lille over the weekend, and then I uh, did see a uh, a set of beers that were from the company Tuborg, who mm. we have uh, gladly let back into our lives after the the nineties. Uh, which was kind of its heyday. Um, they're, 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 they're playing fast and loose. They're, they've seen the success of Desperados or Desperado, which is a, uh, a I think a lager mixed with the flavour of tequila. It's unlovable. I don't know why kids drink it. It's mm. gross. Um, but uh, this is um, beer flavoured with the with the um, flavour of vodka. Who oh, wants Lord. that? Oh god! Does vodka even have a flavour? So uh, yeah, two bog. They they think they can get away with that. Uh, I don't think they can personally. I just don't think they can. Two bog. It's pretty good. I <laughs> I uh, with Moscow Mule. Weirdly, when I uh, I mean Moscow Mule is just vodka with ginger ale and some lime, right? I came back to the UK for a holiday, and I remember going to a pub, and the guy was like, "What are you having?" I said, "Ah, oh, Moscow mm. Mule." And he went, "What's that?" And I was like, oh, it's vodka with ginger ale." I said, "Why don't you just say that then? Why don't you just say vodka with ginger ale?" And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you." It sounds much cooler if you say Moscow Mule. I'm guessing it's an American, it's an American branded cocktail, or maybe it's just a, a shit pub person at a pub. I don't know, but like that annoyed me, and so well, I guess, I've been I guess like it's like it. ginger ale would be the sort of thing you'd drink if you were like uh, you know in the middle of like America and you wanted something spicy in an arid desert <laughs> with your mule. Dry because it's dry. Mules are always dry and they're always walking on dusty paths. And Moscow vodka. I think that's why that was named. That's what I've decided. Yeah, that's what you've decided. <laughs> the history of an entire the cocktail genesis. defined yeah. by Pete Donaldson yeah. at eleven thirty in the morning. Done. 
brilliantly done. Completed it. Can you think of <laughs> any other untold social rules that might have been breached when your travels in Japan? Um, Anything you've done wrong? Faux so pas? Uh... Well, I'm trying to think, really. Yeah, I think it's just uh, mostly the uh, the hand. There's just, just the the whole hand towel situation. Don't put it on your face. I know people do uh, it. But you, you shouldn't do it. Like I, I, I the, the thing is, when you come out of something somewhere really um, hot or even really cold, hmm. you kind of want that. You want to put that towel on your face. Um, but that, that's not the done thing. I mean, yeah. So you're whenever with it's basically the every. Every good meal in Japan, you get oshibori, little warm towel. In the in the summer, it's I know, mm. often chilled, and in the winter, it's often heated. I must admit, I do use it to wipe my face as well. And I'd say quite a lot of people do, like 30% of businessmen mm. that I see do do it. So it's not too bad. Um, but if you're in mm. a fancy restaurant, I'd avoid doing it. Just do it like a izakaya <laughs> or a pub or something. That's a good one. Good point. <laughs> people often ask about that. Um, all right. Mm. Thank you. Good question, Luciano. What we got next, Pete? Uh, we have got a message from Emily from Idaho. Hi, Chris and Pete. I've been, uh, and I am an avid podcast listener, and yours is by far my favourite. Thank you very much, Emily from Idaho. Uh, your increase of two episodes per week has truly been one of the few highlights of this otherwise dismal year. I always look forward to hearing what uh, bizarre answers Pete will give to Chris's questions, <laughs> and I can never quite tell how much of that is played up for our entertainment and how much is a fascinating glimpse into a strange fathomless mind i live in the recently attended um uh, uh, i live in the recently attended a birth- i recently attended a birthday party for a japanese friend's young daughter uh, at most uh, children's birthday parties i've been to one of the activities is watching the birthday girl or boy open gifts near the end of the party at this event however the gifts were all loaded unopened into my friend's car um <laughs> to be opened uh, later i was told later that it could be considered a little bit tacky in japanese culture to open a gift in front of the giver I was wondering if you had been to any Japanese birthday parties and if so uh, was there anything that surprised you in the differences from the traditions growing up wow uh, Pete I also want to mention you to you uh, reminded of them uh, by your recent mention of your Chuck tattoo I'm currently uh, replaying the full Monkey Island series and I'm deeply deeply enjoying them all over again so thanks for sending me down that rabbit hole and decreasing my productivity for the foreseeable future thanks for reading Emily from Idaho an enjoyable email and lovely to hear a bit of uh Bit of Monkey Island action going on. Good Fantastic. Monkey Island. I mean, yeah. that's a good question. I mean, I can imagine the disappointment watching uh, all these presents. Like the best bit of a birthday pie, I remember, because I haven't been to a birthday party in years, was the whole cracking open the presents, right, and seeing what the birthday mm. boy or girl had got. So the idea, everyone's gathered around waiting for the presents to be opened, and then they're like, right, party's over, put the presents in the car, and then fuck off with all the presents. That could be a little bit underwhelming, a little bit disappointing. Yeah. But it's a bit it's a bit competitive though, isn't it? Sort of going, uh, oh, what's that person got? Is it better than what we got them for them? I find that a little bit, and especially because frequently when I go to parties, I just forget I'd, I'd forget um, to bring anything, and then I'm like in the off license at 10 p.m. because I'm super late buying a bottle of Cristal. Rosie, <laughs> and uh, shocking. Yeah. yeah, never, never mind. Not Would you? Well, uh, not a great planner. If you were going to a birthday party, right, and you knew the presents were going to be opened, would you get a better present, do you think? Just because it would make you look better. Would that would that change your mind in the decision-making Probably, process? Probably, yeah, yeah I think uh, that's not a bad... Yeah, that's not a bad uh, point. Yeah, I think you'd be, uh, you'd be more likely to... So that's probably why we do it over here, so that we can cr- increase people's uh, performance when it comes to... Um, when it comes to stuff like that. 
And also re-gifting as well. That's that's a bit of a culture. <laughs> oh, I've just got a new toaster. I, I, I've, <laughs> you've given me a toaster for my birthday. Didn't you get re- married recently? Did you get given that toaster? Good, right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all too often. I uh, yeah yeah. I mean, we we did cover this briefly in the quiz. I think last week or the week before when um, yeah we're doing a quiz and we did one on cultural etiquette, didn't we? And I said, is it rude to a open a present in front of the person who's given it to you? Or is it rude to not return a gift? Uh, or when someone buys you a present, is it rude to not buy them a present in return? And the answer was, it's a little bit rude to open the present uh, in front of the person that's given it to you in Japan. I think that's because it could yeah. be a little bit awkward. I think it's because it can make the person feel uncomfortable, right? If if you buy me, I think in, in Japanese culture, if you buy me a present, right, there's and I have to open it in front of you, there's a real sense of pressure that I have to be like, oh, wow, Pete, it's the... Hey, it's the hairbrush I really wanted. That you, the head oh, it's, of my, it's the head of my enemy. <laughs> the head of your enemy <laughs> with your samurai sword. It's you know, yeah. there's that there's that pressure, isn't there? And that is a yeah. thing that they just Absolutely wouldn't agree. want in Japan. Like putting that pressure on someone no. to have to act in a way or show some false sense of gratitude. So that's why that's why that culture exists. But um, often, you know, I've gone to. Uh, I've had people buy me presents, Japanese friends, and they've kind of said to me, oh, please open it. They've insisted on me opening it there and then. So there is that kind of way around it. If the person says, oh, yeah, no, right. please open it, uh, then it's okay, I think. There's a a phrase in Japanese when you give a present to someone. And if you watch the Hyde documentary with Hyde the Rockstar, when I gave him a bottle of uh, I think gin, I've got him some gin, I said to him, oh, you know, which means it's a boring thing. Nevertheless, and you sort of say that whenever you hand a present to someone in Japan, um, right. like boring thing. It's a boring thing, but here you go. Um, so you always say that. So go and check out the high documentary oh. if you want to see that phrase in action. Um, I bought him That's some gin, which turned out later on was a bit cheap. Someone in the comments was like, that gin was really cheap. <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Brilliant the real present. Here's your one cup. Exactly. One down, cup yeah. sake. Have that hide. Um, I also got him a swear words book, which is very good. That made up for nice. the, the That'd cheap be good. Gym. Yeah, that, that's always a lot of fun. Definitely. Um, got a question from Nick from London. He says, hi, Chris, and low-scoring Pete. Ah, oh, low-scoring Pete. You didn't do very well on the quiz, Road. did you, Pete? Poor old no, Pete. No, I didn't. Well, hopefully we'll find the pathway to redemption in an upcoming episode. Um, <laughs> Nick says, just wondering how many Japanese employers and employees have adjusted to working from home. Knowing the cultural emphasis on being present at work, I imagine this is a difficult thing for Japan to embrace. But have they embraced the benefits or are they just keen to get back to how things were? Cheers and keep up the good work. Nick from London. That's a good question, actually. Um, yeah. In Japan the emphasis is often on being present at work for extended periods of time. Obviously, in all cultures, it's good to turn up to work. But in Japan, um, you are kind of, there's an unspoken rule that you have to stay in the office um, past work hours. Say that your kind of work hours finish at 5 p.m. Often, you will be there till 7 or 8 p.m. just because it looks good, right? And that's the way you get promoted. When the boss makes that fateful decision on who to promote, they'll look at people that have been in the office a lot longer. And that's how you kind of win favor mm. and get promoted in Japan. Nevertheless, I have seen a real shift in that uh, in Japan for the better um, in the last few months. And a lot of companies have embraced the working from home culture um, just because it 
saves a lot of companies from having issues, right? Um, there's a real stigma at the moment. If you have a company and one of your members of staff gets the coronavirus, then they have to shut down the entire company. Like There was a really big company wow. in Tokyo. I can't remember if it was Dentsu, um, the big marketing company, had like a, a case in their skyscraper, and everyone had to go home and cause a lot of kind of real big issues. So they have seemed to embrace it recently. And cities like Sendai and Tokyo do feel noticeably quieter uh, because there's less commuters. And even Ryotaro, mm. who has a, a company working in um, travel consultancy and tourism consultancy, um, he has had all his staff work from home. And he said to me recently that he's embracing the idea of just getting all his staff and himself to just work from home, work remotely. So it could be the start of some positive change in Japan because undeniably that is one of the worst things, right? That kind of overwork kind of culture. So I think yeah. it could be quite good. I think it's one of the few benefits it's, it's, to come out of it. It's some, of the, some of the worst managers I've ever worked under are obsessed with um, the control that they have over you when mm. you are, um, <clears throat> they want you there. They want the stuff that you do to be in front of them. Um, and, and, and it's, it's completely meaningless. It doesn't make the, the work any better or, um, any quicker or any more, you know, conscientious. It's, it, it just, it's just that control thing of, I employ you, so you've got to be here, uh, instead of actually just being a bit more flexible and a bit, just, 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 um, more like a human being. So yeah, yeah I think there will be a massive culture change. And, um, I will sort of say that the, that they, I'm, if I was a betting man, uh, mm. and, and a slight, um, uh, don't have the the best opinion of, of, of of unchecked capitalism, uh, I imagine <laughs> what they'll do is just close down their expensive um, central city um, offices and insist that people work from home. Um, they'll use that to reduce the amount of money they pay for transport and things like that. The, in the in the city waitings you sometimes get, and and the, and but there'll be there'll be no increase in um, the amount of money paid to the person, even though they're they're, they're dedicating some of their house to. Um, their their working environment. You know, if I have to convert the corner of my mm. house into a, a radio studio or a or an office, um, I think there should be some recompense for that because at the end of the day, you're reducing the amount of, of space you have in your house uh, for it to point. be at home. Yeah. Um, and and also they're saving on rental, uh, you know, properties in, in the centre of town and things like that. So. It maybe won't be as um, as as far-reaching as we perhaps expect. And, and to be honest, a lot of uh, people, usually men, because we're daft, um, seem <laughs> to see uh, being in the office as a way of avoiding um, being at home, <laughs> which Very is true. not the way to live your life. Absolutely, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see how it pans out. To be honest, um, I a good, another good friend of mine, Yuki, the uh, Japanese businessman, my jovial friend mm. with his tiny beers. He um, he is against the idea of working from home on a mass scale because he thinks it will uh, his his staff will like lose motivation or will lose that kind of sense of team so he's a little bit on the other opposite end of the opposite end of the scale to Riotro but then his business is very different so it's on a case by case kind of situation but like I don't know well, well, I've, 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 I've been to his office I've been, I've been to his office you it's have. very um kind of west coast um it's very west coast america slash east coast russia very beanbag <laughs> chairs, um, you know, hoverboards and all kinds of nonsense. It's all very open plan. Lovely. 
co-working space yeah it's a really cool place i hope to put it in a video one day because it's a really amazing place but uh yeah mm. i'll keep an eye on that though we'll, we'll bring that up again and uh, discuss that later on down the line nick when we see how things pan out but it's a really good question thanks for asking uh keep the stories questions comments coming into a in japan podcast at gmail.com we'll be back in the next few days to do it all over again guys but for now no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world have yourself a great few days and we'll be back to do it all over again very soon on sunday have a good one Was a Stakhanov production. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800 333 4Kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10 year, 100,000 mile powertrain and 5 year, 60,000 mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.